Hello, I'm Wayne Utterback, Director of Communications and Digital Content for the Illinois Association of Park Districts, and welcome to the latest edition of the ParkCast. Today, I'm really excited to talk about bison grazing with uh, McHenry County Conservation District Agricultural Ecologist Brennan S. and Natural Resource Manager Brad Woodson. Thank you so much for both of you uh, taking time out of your day to talk with me a little bit about uh, bison grazing of all things. Uh, it's not something that I hear a lot about. So I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit more about, uh, about how this all came to fruition. Sure. Um, thanks, Wayne, for having us on. Um, so the prairie evolved with bison and they played an important role in the ecological health of the prairie and grasslands. And they're an excellent habitat management tool. So for that reason, the conservation, um, the conservation district has wanted to reintroduce bison on the landscape for a long time, but the conditions were never really quite right. Um, and the opportunity finally presented itself at our Pleasant Valley site when uh, the previous tenant who had been utilizing the land for row crops and cattle production no longer wished to renew his lease. So we put together a request for proposals and it was actually through the Northeast Illinois Farm Link, which is managed by Liberty Prairie Foundation, that we became connected with Ruder Bison, who is now raising bison at Pleasant Valley. And Ruder Bison is a family business that raises bison to protect habitat for native wildlife and to be a locally sourced alternative to beef. So they were a great match for the conservation district. Now, just a quick question about uh, just bison in general. Uh, so you've got somebody who already knows how to handle bison, how to, how to manage them, because uh, that was going to be my next question was, uh, how do you prepare to take on that responsibility? Yeah, yeah that's I'll a great do. question. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we, as, as Brenna mentioned, we put this RFP out. We had the option of working with uh, cattle producers. And so when we had this, uh, when Ruta Bison submitted their request, we thought this is great. We have somebody who knows bison, knows how to build a fence, knows how to corral them. So really it's a unique arrangement where we're providing the land. They actually build the fence. They're managing the bison herd, the numbers and, and, and the movements, things like that. So really it's a kind of a unique partnership where, you know, again, it works out for us. We have the land, we want the, the prairie to be grazed and they're looking for habitat. They're looking for areas to, to graze these bison. So it's really a, a great win-win uh, situation for us. Now how many about how many bison are there currently out there on the prairie? Yeah. Currently, there are six bison on 30 acres. And um, we just planted or seeded another 89 acres to prairie. And once that's ready to be grazed, then the rooters will expand their herd um, and the herd will be rotated on that 120 acres. Now, can you just tell me, maybe explain a little bit more in detail how important grazing is to maintaining a habitat uh, for somebody who may, may not understand necessarily uh, what all it does for, for an area like the prairie? Yeah, I'd love to take that one, Brad. You want me to take it? No, oh. I'd love to take it. Oh, oh, please, and I'll follow up with something to explain my own. All right, sounds good. Um, so prairies require disturbance in order to be maintained as grassland habitat. And so historically that disturbance occurred through fire and grazing, which was primarily done by bison. Um, so today we often have to create those disturbances with prescribed fire and mowing or mechanical grazing, um, which is obviously very different than how actual grazers would impact the landscape. So the benefit of grazing is that 
the bison create a more diverse vegetation structure, which can create microhabitats that support grass and birds, pollinators, other wildlife in ways that mowing can't do. Um, and then grazing also benefits soil and environmental health by recycling nutrients, building organic matter, sequestering carbon, and improving water infiltration. And the, the one thing I'd like to add that, which is kind of interesting is if you go back like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when we started, first started doing prairie restorations at the district, we, we you know, use big blue stem Indian grass, switchgrass, when we call the tall grass species. And what we found out if three or four years down the road, when we started doing uh, bird surveys, we had these tall rank stands of prairies and they weren't good for birds because they were just so thick and so tall. The, the, those warm season tall grasses dominated. And so historically, you know, prairies were so diverse that you would see if you go to a really high quality remnant prairie, you see a big blue stem here and there and there. But in the meanwhile, there'd be all this plant diversity, so much competition that it, it wouldn't dominate. But since we were doing these restorations, we couldn't put in 150 species like we do, you know, today. So we actually switched our prairie restorations to shorter grasses like crop seed, side oats, little blue, because we didn't have anything to control those, you know, those dominant tall grass species. So now we have bison to, to do that. So they, you know, as Brenna mentioned, they have all these ecological benefits, but they have a very practical benefit of trampling and eating and preferring grass, which releases area for the forbs to, or the wildflowers to go to. So it's really a perfect combination to, to manage grasslands. So our job is just to make sure they move and they kind of mimic what would be a natural grazing regime. Now, uh, what, what's just the experience been like so far? Uh, what have you seen uh, just, just in, in what you, what's happened so far? Yeah, um, well, in terms of the partnership that we have with Reuter Bison, it's been surprisingly smooth. Um, we have a great relationship with the tenant um, because they do have similar values to the conservation district. So that's made it easy. Um, we also have a wonderful staff and volunteers who've all really worked together to get the project off the ground and to keep it running smoothly. In terms of the bison themselves, they've been out there since December. Um, it's actually amazing to me that you go out there and it doesn't look like they've done anything out there. The, the grasses are lush and green. It looks nothing like, um, you know, an overgrazed pasture. It's, it's wonderful. So I'm really excited to see how things progress and when we can expand beyond what we've done so far. What yeah, was the, the, oh, go oh, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I would say the picture behind me was actually just taken, I think a week ago, we had a board meeting and they wanted to kind of celebrate the bison. And of course we had it all, we thought all set up. Oh yeah, you know, we'll come see them. And of course the bison didn't cooperate. They kind of <laughs> hid out in their corner. So as Berna mentioned, they, they really haven't, impacted the the grass shed it's very tall they they like a couple different areas they'll graze back and forth so we have a good ratio of of you know a small ratio of bison to the to the habitat so they're they're definitely doing well but they're kind of acting like you know wild bison they um uh they're just not walking along the fence they they kind of hide out and they're not they don't want to be corralled or herded they kind of do their own thing so we weren't able to get everybody who came out at our last board meeting to see them, unfortunately. But if you do drive by, you will see them occasionally. They made a little wallow and kind of a microhabitat out there. So it's it's been really interesting to watch that behavior. 
It's, it's, it's humorous that you say that they are very much, uh, you know, they're not cooperative with photos or things like that. But uh, are there any other challenges that they've presented? Uh, anything that kind of has, has popped up that, that you weren't expecting or things that have caught you off guard? Honestly, knock on wood, the bison have been un, not challenging at all. They haven't caused any issues. Um, the only thing I'll say is whenever you're looking at integrating grazing on the landscape, for me, the biggest hurdles are figuring out your source of electricity and your source of water. And those were kind of big head express for a little while, even though we were operating on an existing pasture um, and a farmstead that had electricity and water. It, it's an old farmstead and we, we couldn't necessarily rely on the existing water lines. So we had to do some work there and we had to reroute some um, access to electricity so that the, the fence could be electrified. But um, honestly, it's been it's been very smooth. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the biggest challenge, honestly, has been on the, the public side is we really want the public to come out there and see them. But as Brenna mentioned, um, it's an old farmstead. We're going to have to do some demo. We're going to have to do some site development. So the bison kind of got ahead and we it, that went really smoothly to get the bison on pasture. But what we need to do is develop that public access. So unfortunately, you know, we're, we're going to have some special tours and things like that, but it is not open to the public at this time. Well, that kind of dovetails really nice into my next question. Or what are some of the future plans you have for this program? Uh, what are you hoping to see kind of uh, blossom out of this? Well, um, we definitely have some work to do when it comes to site development, and we're in the planning phase of that right now. Uh, we do have a 15-year lease with the rooters, so you know we have some time to get things squared away. But it is going to take a number of years to get the site ready for you know, truly equitable and accessible access for the public. Um, so that's a challenge right now and a focus of, of, of what we're trying to do moving forward. And the one thing I would add, as Brenda mentioned, we are going to add at least 89 acres that would just see the down of prairie. But then there wasn't another, another pasture south of that. So potentially we could actually add and have a, a total pasture of 160 to 170 acres um, in a couple of years from now, but we want the prairie to mature and be ready to be grazed. So I would hope in, you know, three years, we could have more bison and, and they could be grazing up to, like I said, 160, 170 acres. And so we might see a total herd of, you know, 25, even 30 bison at that point. Now, have you heard of any other agencies in the state uh, working with bison, or is this something that's unique to your agency? I, I, I hadn't, like I mentioned, I hadn't really heard much about bison. So when I saw the story come by, it kind of caught me off guard. But have you heard of anybody else that's that's doing the same thing or something similar? Yeah, absolutely. And we actually looked to many of those uh, other agencies for guidance on this process. Um, so in Illinois, the Nature Conservancy and the U.S. Forest Service have successfully reintroduced bison herds um, to on public land to manage tall grass prairie ecosystems. And so um, we visited with them. We, we talked about the challenges that they've dealt with and, and um, the partnerships that they've created, the management um, and monitoring protocols that they've used to really assess the impacts of grazing on the landscape. And so those are all tools um, and resources that we've relied on to get to where we are. 
that's one of the, that's one of the things I really noticed a lot is is being able to rely on on others' experience. And uh, we've noticed that with so many of the things that you know park districts and conservation districts and and forest preserves all do, they all have to kind of reach out to one another and figure out best practices and and kind of break some of that ground sometimes that or follow a path that someone else has already done and, and kind of learn from some of those uh, challenges that they've experienced. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Brad, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Were you no, no, something? you know, and, and I actually think that what we're doing here can be a model for other public agencies. So, you know, we're, we're not land rich, but we have a lot of land. We have land that needs to be managed. And if we can find a producer and a bison producer, uh, it's just a great fit. So we also have cattle that graze some of our land. So, you know, Bison's, you know, for us, it's a little more exciting for the public. It's, it's, you know, it's a little, it's a lot neater to see a bison out there, but um, yeah, other public agencies can certainly, you know, utilize this model and, and make that work and have a kind of a complete uh, grassland ecosystem. Now, I like something you said earlier too, about how uh, you, the partners that you're working with on this all have a similar mission or at least similar goals. So how important is that to find those partners out there that that you can align with where you're already on the same path, you already want the same things. Uh, how important is that to find those partners and, and, and utilize what they've got? For me, it's really valuable to, you know, it just makes the, the process and the relationship go smoother when everyone's on the same page about what the goals are. Um, obviously, you as a, a producer, and a conservation organization, the goals may not always line, line up or align as well. Um, so this was a, a really unique situation um, with the rooters that I think worked out nicely for us. Yeah, and, and that is actually one thing we, we talked about in the RFP that we kind of narrowed that down that, hey, we wanna find somebody that has the same idea, not just going out there and grazing to, to you know, produce meat, but we have all those, these ecosystem services and ecosystem benefits that we want to uh, create as well. So I think that helped and we just luckily really came and found each other and it's worked out really well so far. All right, excellent. Well, is there anything else you'd just like to tell somebody who might uh, not know much about the work you guys are doing there? Is there anything else you'd like to share? I'll, I'll start with this. You know, we um, this has been just an, such an exciting uh, process and it's been fun. I don't get down there enough to, to you know, see the bison, um, but it's also spilled out. We've already gotten an Illinois Department of Natural Resources Habitat grant, so that's going to help pay for additional restoration on that site. It's going to allow us to purchase a seed harvester. So, you know, what we try to do here is leverage our land, our staff, our money, you know, to, to, to do more. And this is just a great project and a great example that, you um, We've been able to do a lot of good PR benefits, great grassland bird benefits. Brenna has worked on actually monitoring the new restoration, the soil and the soil health. So we're going to, you know, we're going to learn a lot of, uh, as we go, but it's also going to, you know, continue to provide multiple benefits down the road. Excellent. For me, yeah, for me, the value is, you know, the benefit to the ecosystem, the wildlife that rely on that habitat and, and seeing that really come to fruition is really exciting to be a part of. But the most, what I have seen, the most important piece is just your, um, your network, your staff and your, your team and their willingness to contribute and be a part of the process because 
just a couple of people can't can't accomplish something like this. It really takes um, it takes all hands on deck to to really make sure everything keeps running smoothly. So um, we're happy to to be a resource for people and a source of information. Um, but you have to have people on board to help with the process too. All right. Well, I don't have any other questions for you, Brad and Brenna, but I, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your day to talk with me a little bit more about this topic. Uh, I'm excited to just follow your path and, and see uh, where this leads. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be touching base here and there to uh, follow along with you guys. So thank you for Sounds taking great. time out of your day to talk with us. Thank you. Sounds right, great. Thanks, Wayne.